Hello, and welcome to Working Girls, a podcast celebrating historical women, past and present, by telling their stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because history should make us uncomfortable, not complacent. I'm Nikki, resident historian, dog mom, and full-time RVer. Hi, and I'm Dina. I'm a log for the ride, but not in the RV. I'm the mom of two daughters, a son, and a terror of a dog. I'm a working girl that's a certified master of career service and a lifelong friend to Nikki. Hi, Dina. Hi, Nikki. We're in the same room. We are in the same room for one whole night. Probably won't happen very often. (laughs) No, it will not. But uh, it's fun that it's happening now. Yeah, and Nikki stopped by to see me on her way to my state of Mississippi. So she stopped here in Kentucky to have dinner with us on their way down. So it's exciting. We are on our way to my partner's next project. Yes, which it's crazy. They move almost as much as we did in the military, (laughs) if not more. I think you guys actually have moved more than we did. Yeah, we we move a lot. It's crazy. We we spent, um, well, we were in, we got to New York in the beginning of June and we just left yesterday. Yep. Wait. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> we were what in Washington before that. We were in Washington before that. And we've San Antonio San, before we've been that. In Texas. Yeah, we've been all over. <laughs> all over. So next uh, next stop is Mississippi. And we think we'll be there for eight or nine months. Yeah. And then off to the next adventure. Which I mean if you have to so. if you have to go to Mississippi and you're gonna live in an RV for a while, now is probably the best time to do it because it's not summer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, I know it gets hot in the south. Um, yeah. Not that I mind it, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not complaining either. I've got air conditioning. I can always retreat from the heat. There's so. nothing wrong with the heat. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm a happy, happy girl when it's warm. Amen. I'm so. not a pumpkin spice person. I'm not. No. I'm not a fall person. No. I'm not a winter person. No. Mm-mm. I would rather be sweating bullets. Yes. And hot all year long. Amen. And preferably by the ocean. Oh gosh, yes. Yes. I am going to go see the ocean in July. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Go see my daughter in California. Wonderful. Go see my youngest. So that'll be nice. And it'll be the first time. I know I've been in California, but I'm Mm -hmm. so young. I don't even remember. So this will be the first time that I'm actually going and I'll learn something. I was born there and um, we left. I was not quite two years old when my um, parents came back to the East coast, which I was like, why would, why would you ever have left? But I don't know. Cause there's crazy people that like snow and cold. Yeah, and I can't, I can't deal with it. It's not something me. about family and I don't know. Yeah. And that's not me. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, take me somewhere warm. Take me somewhere where there's no white stuff. And yes. Yes. That's where I am. The only snow you have is the gold kind that puts me in the hospital for a Yeah, well, we don't like that. I mean, I'm allergic to that devil weed too, but um, I'll take the summer snow, the little dandelion fluff that happens. Yes. That's it. That's all I want. And that's, forget it. I mean, I, I guess like the leaves are pretty, watching the leaves change colors. I'll give you autumn girls that. Yes. Um, sweater weather, don't care for it. No, 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 I do love sweaters, but you know what? You can wear sweaters in the summertime too. Just saying. So, okay. I, am going to, I'm going to 
differ with you on that. Nope. You are you are a weirdo when it comes to that. <laughs> Says the girl that used but to I wear shorts in ice because with sweatshirts <laughs> and nothing else. Yes, I'm the weirdo. I, I wore jackets and scarves. But that, just, but that just tells you that my heart has always been <laughs> down south where it's warm. <laughs> I just, my body wasn't there. I'm in a my ski parka, my first <laughs> winter there. And they're going, do you want to lay out? Like, no. Um, well, it was like. I, I want mean, hot chocolate and fire. To be fair, <laughs> it was like 50 degrees that day. And it had been 20 for like weeks. <laughs> And, yeah no and the sun was out and it felt warm so yeah in all the time i lived in erie pennsylvania i never ever got to the point where i could lay out in 50 degree weather it wasn't happening well all right it wasn't happening yeah okay so so we're all weird in our own way we are that <laughs> we are that uh as weirdos have to stick together amen all right. Well, I mean, there's uh, we've we've had some upheaval, some changes, some um, definitely some good, some painful. Yeah. But uh, we're finally back and able to put one of these together. Yeah, and so, we appreciate everyone bearing with us as yes. Nikki and I have been trying to figure out how to do this with her in an rv and traveling yeah. and neither of us being tech folks yes um it's a journey it's it's been a journey so it's you a know journey. yeah so hopefully we are not going to have the audio issues that we've been plagued with since we're in the same room we hope <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh moving forward um i don't know we'll do some experimenting and i, I was thinking about sitting in my bathroom and recording because the bathroom is a tiny room in the rv and um maybe that would reduce kind of the the tinny bouncing off the wall sound or i was thinking about getting into my closet <laughs> sitting in there and trying um but we'll figure it out you're gonna be out in the country in mississippi you can sit outside yeah, yeah, that might help too. That might help. We'll and we can it. always ask Joseph. He's the, he's our resident techie. He's yes. been the one that helps us as as we've been going along. Thanks, Joseph. Yes, thanks, Joseph. Who should be home from the gym soon and hopefully doesn't come in super loud, and mm. you all get to hear him. Well, it'll it'll be interesting because I'm sure the dogs will go nuts. Yes, both our dogs so, are here. Yeah, my dog my... is here and. My 10-month-old schnauzer and her 10-year-old, what is Boozy? Do we... Boost is, uh, so he's, his dad is a, his dad was a purebred Yorkie. His Makes mother um, what is a, um, she is a 50-50 Chihuahua Dachshund mix. So I, I, I tend to call Boost my little shivering demon. <laughs> so... <laughs> Because he can be quite a handful. He's, um, well, bless yeah. his heart. He doesn't know what to think about the 10 month old pup who will not leave him alone. 
but it's so cute because they're they're getting along we there was we were a little worried that that we were gonna have to separate but we haven't had to do that they're just kind of following each other around and sniffing each other and yeah hester's trying so hard to play and boost kind of not into it but you know, grumpy old man is like look yeah. kid it's not happening yeah get down kid but <laughs> um but they're they're doing all right they're just kind of pacing each other and yeah but you know those are those are our babies yeah so they're doing okay but we're uh definitely glad to be back to this we, we are this yeah. won't be a super long episode because we are almost through we're almost through the ancient, the ancient world yeah. um and i i was telling dina earlier that um i i realized that during all my prep and all of my research um i left Japan out of my research. I left India out of my research. Both uh, both countries have very rich culture and and history. And um, should anyone be interested in uh, the possibility of women warriors from either of those um, cultures? please feel free look look it up let me know what you find i'd be very interested um i i felt kind of bad that i i realized that i left out two very um large populations of of people that have um such rich history yeah. um but that said you know we're it's not I'm, I'm not perfect and i will make mistakes all the time <laughs> um <laughs> i definitely do there's so. no no right around that i definitely do yeah so uh um i i don't know i i guess yeah like i said look it up and let me know what you think um you can shoot me shoot us an email at our uh, working girls email address i ha we have a facebook page now yeah. um so we're trying to put ourselves out there more um, for people to, to connect with people. Um, and I guess, I don't know, let's get into it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. We'll just so, keep getting better. We'll just keep getting better. <laughs> Y'all work with us and we will keep getting better at this yes. as we're going. Uh, but this the first one where we're going. I'm excited. Nikki's got some great stuff for us to finish out this session um, so let's get started. Yes. So we're going to finish out the ancient world and we have been talking about um, Rome. So we, uh, we left off with Zenobia. She was the queen of Palmyra. And in 267 of the current era, era Zenobia took power on behalf of her son in Palmyra after her husband was murdered. Her husband, who was the king, had been a—he'd also been a Roman governor, and a good one, according to the Romans. Zenobia continued these efforts. In 270 CE, something changed, and Zenobia raised an army. She took Arabia, Egypt, and later expanded as far as An uh, Ankara in modern-day Turkey. So she held one third of the Roman Empire. She declared herself Augusta before Emperor Aurelian and the Roman army marched against her. She was unable to defeat Aurelian and upon capture was placed on trial as she should. She, she was, she was a traitor to, to the, to the Roman uh, empire who had placed her in charge. 
Um, she was marched in Aurelian's triumph parade to Rome because the Romans were very, very big on their triumph parades. And after the, after that, the remainder of her life, uh, is unclear. Some sources say she died before reaching Rome, either by illness or starvation. And still others say that she was beheaded after appearing in the emperor's triumph parade. Uh, and then there's still a, a group of scholars that say that she was exiled in Rome and lived out her days peacefully. Um, so that's, that's Zenobia. Yeah, Zenobia is an interesting one because when I was reading your notes and then looking through some of mine, it said, you know, she was known for being brave and intelligent, um, that she, she kind of liked owning like the trade routes and, and going mm -hmm. from being, mm -hmm. what did they call the Romes? What were you, when you, Rome kind of owned you, you were like a client state or something like that. What's it called? Um, oh, oh. Oh, it's going to yes. drive me crazy. Yeah, uh, it is a client state. I'm yes. right. It's in my notes. Yes. So they, they were a client state of Rome. And mm -hmm. then she decided that they didn't need to be that anymore. So what was interesting mm -hmm. reading hers compared to some of the other ones, with the exception of, uh, oh, and I'm going to forget her name that we talked about last time, who did the Greek ships and helped the oh, Persian yes. king. Uh, yes, who yes. am I thinking of? She was... Uh, uh, Artemisia yes. Ascaria, yes. Other than her, this is the only the second time we come across one where I was kind of like, okay, she might have been a bit power hungry. She, yeah. you know, she yeah. might have had a little bit of that war power fever that we talk about, like men get. Yes. And it's a reminder that women can be just as guilty. Oh, yeah. As men of this, and I almost wonder if there wasn't a certain amount of maybe narcissism or, or something Could like be. that, you know, she got the opportunity through her son to lead and then having that power that she would not normally had kind of fed on it. Yeah. Um, because it sounds like through what she was doing, she had a good amount of power already. So it was kind of like especially with her controlling the trade routes, mm -hmm. why wasn't she content with that? Right. Cause you know, that that probably made her very wealthy if she oh, was controlling yeah. the trade routes. Um, I'm wondering if it had something to do with, uh, so, so her husband dies. Okay. And he was a Roman governor and he was King. He's the one that had the power. She had to act as a regent on behalf of her son. So I wonder if there was, uh, if there was fear behind her decision, fear of being, uh, fear, fear of, of being, of, of reverting to just another woman in the Roman empire. And, um, if you, you know, remember we talked about in the Roman empire, women had not, women had no power. Women right. were, were only, woman's purpose was only to serve her father, her brothers, her husband, whatever man was in charge of her much like the Greeks. Right. Um, so I wonder if with, with Zenobia, even being, you know, so far in, in Palmyra, you know, so she's removed from Rome, but she's still a Roman citizen. And so I, I just wonder if, if maybe her seizing power on behalf of her son was her way of saying, you're not going to cage me. I'm going to continue to rule this area. You'll bow to me before I bow to you. I like that. Yeah. So, but it, but it's, it also could be, 
I'm queen. I'm still queen. <laughs> I'm not giving up my power because this, right. you know, I mean, it, who knows? We, we unfortunately don't have any firsthand um, writings from Zenobia to, to look into what her, what her state of mind was, her, her reasons, her whys. We, we just don't know. We can only speculate. Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah, she was interesting. Uh, So now uh, moving on, I have the last warrior queen to stand up to Roman rule is Moia. And Moia ruled over the um, Tanukids in southern Syria in the fourth century of the Common Era. So um, Moia was an, an Arab warrior queen who led her troops in rebellion against late Roman rule, riding at the head of her army. So she, she didn't stay home. She was at the head of her army. The reasons for her revolt are thought to have been religious. As many, many wars seem to be sure. started in the name of insert, insert religious belief here. Right. Uh, so she's, uh, she, what she wanted was an Orthodox bishop, but Rome insisted on appointing an Arian bishop completely disregarding the requests of the Tanukid people. So Moia went into the desert and began forming alliances with the, with the Arabs. And she gained support throughout much of Arabia and Syria. Now it's not known if Moia herself was Christian at this time, though she knew an aesthetic monk whom she ensured would be appointed bishop over her people if there was ever to be a truce with Rome. So she had, they had a guy in mind that they wanted. Right. It seems like a simple request. It seems like the Romans could have just said, yeah, okay, put your guy in charge. But instead they were like, um, no, we're going to put our guy. So Moia led her revolt in 378 CE and defeated the Romans many times. She was not messing around. (laughs) She chose to make the desert her base instead of Aleppo. And this worked to her advantage as the Romans had no city to attack in retribution, which was very smart because that's, that was Rome's thing right. is, you know, oh, you live in Alexandria, we're going to burn it. Right. Well, right. she just is in the desert. What are, what are they going to do? Nothing. <laughs> so she utilized guerrilla warfare, conducted numerous raids, made it impossible for the Romans to stifle her revolt. So aside from the successful tactics she employed against the Romans, her army was also superior to the legions in battle as well. They had lived with Roman rule for a century and they were very familiar with Roman battle tactics, which allowed them easy victories in open conflict. Uh, the Roman military commander of the East was sent to subdue the Arabs and soon found that not only was Moia a strong political leader, she was also a brilliant field tactician. She used both Roman and native fighting techniques to a devastating effect. She defeated the Romans and Valens, who was the emperor of Rome, was forced to sue her for peace. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. He sued her for peace. It's crazy. Yes. Crazy. She, she, she said, okay, her only condition, which she previously requested was for the monk Moses to be appointed bishop of her people. Valens graciously or ungraciously, I guess, granted her request. And Moia was able to reinstate her ally status 
um, of her people, the Tanukids, with Rome. She cemented her alliance with the marriage of her daughter to a Roman commander named Victor. So they, she's often compared to Zenobia because they both successfully attacked the Roman Empire and they used the, uh, they used the same waterway dividing Asia from Europe while moving their armies. So they, people like to draw parallels, but I, I, I think Moia, she, she did it so much better because yes. Moia won. Moia got what she wanted. And all she wanted was this particular guy to be the bishop. So I said, it, it seems just, like a, a lot of hoopla it's, for what they could have given her to begin with. Exactly. It seems like a ridiculous reason to go to war. Yes. Like, like Rome couldn't, I, I, I just, I don't get, I don't understand the logic behind Valens being like, mm, no, no, we want this guy. Like, what's the control. difference? Just yes. control. Yes. Just but he learned didn't he he did as 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 he the did. kids well i won't say it because it's very dirty language but <laughs> but but the kids have a particular phrase for what valens did <laughs> and all i'm going to say is he found out <laughs> so uh, <laughs> she schooled him she, she schooled him she do they did. still say that she schooled him well uh, dina you you've got you've got kids that speak the vernacular so yeah <laughs> I don't know if that's still a popular phrase. That's still a pop. Do you remember my kids laugh at me most of the time? Well, so I don't know yeah. if that's so, still a good thing. When I and it, I've been out of college for three years, so <laughs> well, two years. So I, I don't. I think I don't you quite can still know. school someone. I, think, I don't quite I think know if, if that's yeah. yeah. So. Maria schooled him. We'll just leave yeah. it there. Yeah. So what do you have on Maria? What did you think? What's your take? I really didn't really have much else except for the fact that she was actually in it whereas Zenobia mm -hmm. kind of led and was the mastermind behind mm -hmm. and and talked the strategy um and there's not you know a whole lot about what weapons she used mm -hmm. or that kind of stuff we can gauge that it would have been similar to Rome um Moia like you said was in there mm -hmm. and was at the forefront so that was the big thing I just again I just thought it was a lot of hoopla for what they could have just done yeah, from the beginning definitely I'd yeah. It, it was a very simple request. They didn't have to, Rome didn't have to blow it up the way they no, did. No, <laughs> they really didn't. Um, I find it interesting that there five women attacked the Roman Empire. Two of them had Rome begging them for peace. And yet the Romans are still stunned that five times a woman dared to lead armies and attack them. Like it's, it, I find that absolutely hysterical. It happened to them five times, five times. And yet they're still like, wait, a woman? Yes. Like, yeah. How dare a woman? Again, yeah. So, all right, well, that's Rome. So Rome has, that's that's it for Rome. We're going to talk about China now. The good old um, Romans. Yeah. So I had, there, there are quite a few women from ancient China who fought their way into legend. And we are not going to talk about Hua Milan during this, this particular episode. Uh, she's going to be discussed in our next, um, I, I don't even know how to break it up. Our next, our next time period. Right. Cause she wouldn't have been. She's well, it's, it's so the, the thing about China that I found in my research, it's really hard to find anything, any concrete evidence about certain people because they, it's, they, they, it seems, especially in the ancient world, these warriors are lifted to a divine state. 
right. they, they, they attain divine status. They become goddesses, gods of, of the, of their culture. Um, so it's hard to find, to, it, it's hard to separate the fact from the legend sometimes. And Hua Milan uh, is, her legend is insane. So some things that you read will, will put her in very ancient China. Some things that you read say, no, she actually was born, you know, more in the middle ages and she did this. So, so I, we thought it was a good idea to exclude her from the ancient world because we, most of, most of the facts that are available seem to point to Hua Milan being born in more of the middle ages after the fall of Rome. So that's, we're going to leave her out, but we will talk about her, but just not this time. Did you so. find it was the same for men and women in ancient China that, that both warriors yes. and stuff, you found the same difficulty? Uh, yes, actually it, it's, it's this, uh, I, I am in no way an expert on Asian studies. So I, I'm going to preface that my, what I'm saying with that. I, I am not, I, I am not as proficient in Asian studies as I would like to be. So what I found is a, a lot of the, the dynasties and building these dynasties, they really did look to, to make their leaders larger than life. Right. And it's to, you know, gain the, the support of, of the people. Because if you, if you believe that your emperor is a God, you're going to follow him. And that's the, I mean, the Egyptians did that too, right, with right. their, their Pharaohs were descendants of, of the gods. So it's not, you know, it's not a far-fetched thing, but it does with, with, um, the Chinese history, it, it, it makes it a little murkier to look to, to read their legends and try to figure out what is fact and what is legend. What is legend. Right. So we are. So what, what we have are facts, the best facts that we could find while still talking about legend. So, because it's, there's just no gotcha. way, there's, yeah, there's no. not a real good way to separate the legend completely. So I don't know if anyone can hear, but my dog is losing his mind right now. Hopefully not. <laughs> I think I, he... We, we've banished them to the downstairs area. <laughs> so he probably wants to be back up here with me and, and he is being told no is probably what I'm what's thinking. happening. Yes. So, all right. So, um, so the first, the first person that we're going to talk about, uh, is a, I think she's a, a fascinating character, um, Lady Fu Hao. And Fu Hao was one of the 64 wives of King Wu Ding of the, of the Shang dynasty. And the Shang Dynasty ruled China from 1600 BCE to 1045 BCE. Now, the Shang Dynasty is the early earliest ruling dynasty of China established in recorded history, though there absolutely were other dynasties that predated it. This is just when China started writing it down. So the Shang Dynasty, uh, the Shang ruled from uh, 1600 BCE to 1046 BCE. And it's difficult to pinpoint the exact years of Wu Ding's reign, though most historians put the start of his particular rule around 1200 BCE. So Lady Fu Hao rose through the ranks of the 64 wives to become one of the king's three consorts. Fu Jing was the primary queen 
Fu Hao became the secondary queen and Fu Shi was the third queen. Now, even though Fu Hao was second queen, she, uh, her husband loved her and he gave her her own land and it was her son that was chosen to be the next king. Hmm. She was also given the title of high priestess, which made her responsible for all rituals and sacrifices to the ancestors. It was a high, high honor right. that her husband gave to her. Um, according to inscriptions on Shang Dynasty Oracle Bone artifacts, say that fast. <laughs> Fu Hao was a general in charge of several military campaigns for the dynasty. She was responsible for conquering enemies and neighbors. In one decisive battle, Fu Hao ended a generations-long conflict with the two Fang people. She soon conquered the Yi, the Qiang, and the Ba, with the Ba campaign being the earliest recorded large-scale ambush in Chinese history. Up to 13,000 soldiers and important generals, Ji and Hao Gao, please forgive my pronunciation of yeah. these Asian names. Um, I'm doing my best, but I know I'm saying them horribly, horribly incorrectly. But these two generals served Lady Fu Hao, making her the most powerful Shang general of her time. She died young and quite suddenly. And the king actually had her buried across the river from the main royal cemetery, even though royals were usually buried together. So his action in sending her across the river made her tomb the only royal Shang tomb to have been unopened by looters. Mm -hmm. So when they found her, the artifacts that they must have found with her, it's, it's amazing to me. And this, of course, is probably how we got the information, like on these um, bone, uh, the the oracle bones. You know, the writing on the oracle bones probably really told her story, um, as the king wanted her story to be told. I'm sure, but it's it's absolutely incredible to me that that this woman was one of sixty four. Like her husband had sixty four wives, and she became the one that he loved. And the one that he trusted to lead his armies and to lead lead his people in in their religious ceremonies as well i think that's that's incredibly interesting yeah and when i was doing the research on her they were talking about her tomb had like jade and bronze vessels and weapons the oracle bones um there's like over a thousand relics Wow. that they found and it was in the city Priceless of treasure. Um, Priceless. the city of Anyang, I think okay. is what it's called in the Henan province is where they found it. Um, and the bronzes were particularly noteworthy as they were some of the finest examples of Shane's Shane bronze workmanship. Wow. And that it didn't provide the insights that you were talking about into the culture and the technology at the time. Wow. Um, it said that she, she is known to be as uh, like, an image of female empowerment, mm -hmm. an example of, you know, women's leadership in the ancient times. Um, she was known to be, you know, the skilled military strategist as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. She fought with chariots and the infantry. Wow. Um, she was known to have personally led her troops into battle, which I think is mm -hmm. super interesting because we've tried to identify the ones that was more strategy and the ones that were actually in there. Mm -hmm in the battle. So I thought that was good. It also said that she did, um, oh, I'm going to say the wrong word, divination, 
divinate divination thank you mm-hmm. um and consulted the oracle bones mm-hmm. to predict the battle outcomes before mm-hmm. she even went yep so that too you know the way she was buried definitely shows that she was important and that she was respected um from anything i found because of course this was what interested me i mean i watched sisters wives come on um <laughs> there was no evidence on how she got along with the other wives right so you know my first right. thought is i'm like i'm curious I'm, I would think they would probably be scared to death. Of probably, her. If, if she's leading troops in a battle, they're probably like, "We're just gonna, we're let just her, gonna let her have him, let her do her thing, and back, we'll but, we'll be here." But I can't help, yeah. like, I think that way because I I tend to be the person that thinks about how the feelings and how sure. people would think, and sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, she had a, she was the one of the sixty four, but I'm sure there was jealousies. I'm oh. sure there was backstabbing i'm sure there was all kinds of stuff of so how many battles did she have to fight in the feminine of area? course <laughs> and then wow. to, and then to have her son be chosen as the next king over first wife's son yes like that's i I'm, i just wonder like how much of a of a boat rock was that but is that know? a thing is that a thing in asia do you know like i know like england that was a thing firstborn sons that kind of stuff but do we know well, if in ancient so China was the firstborn as big a deal. So that's male. that's a really good question because I and I'm gonna say I don't know definitively, but I'm gonna say probably not because I, like I've I, I've done a little bit of studying in like um, the Islamic empires, like the Ottoman Empire, mm-hmm. and 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 those. And um, when you read about those particular rulers, you know they had harems full of women. And they also would have a wife or more than one wife. And they also had their harem and it was always like a cesspool with the kids, like who's going to, who's going to rule. And it's usually the one that survives. Yeah. So it didn't necessarily have to be the firstborn and the father could um, show preference to a, a a second third or fourth born son to to be the next ruler it's so i i think probably it probably wasn't just the benefit of your birth but it probably it probably had a lot to do with the status of your mother and the support you had in the court yep so if you have the military support i mean you see that with rome with with the emperor's yeah. If, if the if the army supports the emperor that's the emperor that's going to stay in power if they right. don't support that emperor's toast so it, so i i think it's it's very complex but very interesting yeah i'd be interested very to interesting. learn more on that i might have to look a little bit i yeah I, I, i'm i'm interested in that yeah, I'm too curious so to I, see i have i have a soft spot in my heart for harem girls and and uh you know plural marriage is always it's very interesting like like you said you watch sister wives i've never watched one episode of sister wives but i can tell you all of their drama i know it <laughs> but i've never seen an episode so 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 you know that it was there like you said how much jealousy did she have to deal with how much backstabbing was there just in just in the female part of the court and yeah. you're absolutely right absolutely right and and there's something that i i read uh when i was studying her that um after her death her husband would uh her husband had a shrine to her and he would pray to her as and revered her as an ancestor so so um 
the Chinese, and I'm, I'm sure they're not the only Asian culture that that did this, but they are very, um, very ancestor based. It's a very ancestor worshiping based right. culture. Uh, and so he he did that he he'd elevated her to to godlike status by praying to her and making his army pray to her, his family pray to her uh, all and it was always for the outcome of battle, you know, he yes. would he would pray. So I, I found that interesting too. that even um, even even past death, her husband was still connected to her in that way. And he still um, revered her enough that 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 she had a shrine. And it's amazing. Yeah, interesting. I, very but interesting. does very make me super curious to see if there was ever anything out there on the other wives. I that yes, because I'd love to know what their thought and what their Yes. point would have been absolutely on this. would it would they have felt of her as a deity or would they right. or could they or be going they like, over there going oh my gosh they're all <laughs> worshiping her and they and, don't know that she did she, a yeah. b and c yeah and, she wasn't that great you know, and <laughs> yeah, no, take off that makeup on her face and yep. she had just as many wrinkles you know you're absolutely you know, women, right women absolutely can be, we can be catty we can be catty we can be we it's 2023 we're trying not to be now but we are trying very hard not to be yes, yes. support not support put down. women don't tear support other yes. women don't, don't tear, tear down. them down yes exactly we tear ourselves down enough we don't need to do it to each seriously other. seriously that is the absolute truth all right so who do so. we have next good old china oh. get over here so we had a little bit of a break we think we hope we'll try to we'll try to get it my, my son walked in the door and my dog lost his mind boozy lost his mind because joey's a young male that he does not know that just walked uh, in the door you know sorry and he walked in from the gym so i'm sure he smells like sweat and all that <laughs> stuff too so hopefully we can <sighs> get that taken care of but we were about to move on yes we were we were going to get into uh, the lady of UA. She was a. Sorry, you can probably hear my dog who's still growling because he thinks that mom is about to be murdered. So <laughs> stop it. Okay. Uh, the lady of UA was a swordswoman for the state of UA. Uh, and, and UA was in the modern Chinese province of Zhejiang. She's also known as the Maiden of the Southern Forest. And according to Chinese mythology, here we are, this is legend. Yes. She is the reincarnation of Zhoushen Chen Yu, who was the goddess of war, sex, and longevity. Her actual name has been lost to time. So we do not know her name. She's called Yun. By, uh, by the Chinese people and by legend. So Yun lived during the fifth century BCE while, uh, while Gu, uh, Gu Jian of Yao was king. And that was 496 to 465 BCE. Boost, I, you need to stop. <sighs> I'm a little flustered because my dog is You're acting right. so terribly right now. He's fine. We may get to this and find out we don't even hear him. <laughs> well, I doubt that because <laughs> I think the entire neighborhood can hear him. But okay. So, okay. So UA, uh, no, I'm sorry. Yoon. She was called Yoon. Uh, 
Um, Yoon's father taught her archery and how to use a sword so she could help him hunt. Yue, which is the, the region, was embroiled in an ongoing war with the northern Wu state, and the king was searching for military specialists to train his, his troops. He was told about a young woman from the southern forest who was infamous for her sword skills. So the king invites her to court where she demonstrated her ability by taking on multiple attackers at once. The king gave the woman the title of Yoon and enlisted her to train his soldiers. The techniques she taught were described as simple yet powerful based around a philosophy of strengthening the spirit while remaining calm in combat. Hers is the earliest known exposition on the art of the sword which influenced Chinese martial arts for generations. She introduced the concept of using agility and fluid speed to counter the advantages of physical strength. This makes total sense. She was a woman. She was definitely fighting off men that were bigger and stronger than she was. She would have needed any advantage she could use in combat. She's also been credited with a new form of, of, now, this is a word I'm, I'm going to stumble over. Metal, metallurgy that could create untarnishable bronze swords with flexible cores and sharp edges, which were known as Yoon swords. One such sword was discovered in 1965 that was buried with King Guijian. Thank you to Callum Ray, author of the blog, The Female Soldier, for almost all of this information about Yoon. Please check out that blog. It's fantastic. And I'll probably reference it again in, in other, okay. other states. Nice. Um, this, it's, it's an incredible blog. So I just wanted to shout that out. But Yoon was an incredible warrior who, who literally just learned how to hold a sword and use it because her family needed to eat. Yeah. And it caught the attention of, of the king and elevated her to legendary status. Which is crazy because when you when you first sent me your original notes on it and I started doing my original look, and especially because she didn't have a name and it was talking about um, word of mouth and the stories and handing it down. Um, yeah, she had inspired theater and film in China, I thought this person even really real mm -hmm. <laughs> but she is a right. true historical figure i did you know i questioned it but she she is a real historical figure figure um i thought it was interesting that she was also known for using a double-edged sword oh which okay i i did, didn't realize but um she's said to be particularly skilled in the use of double-edged sword interesting so it sounds like it's not just that she was a swordsman or swordswoman, mm -hmm. or i guess either way is correct yeah. um swords person swords person but she <laughs> she expanded to all areas of it. It's mm -hmm. just very, very super cool. Yeah. Um, I, I also found it interesting that, that she, when she was training these soldiers, she was, uh, she was instilling in them the need to be calm in combat. Yeah. And don't let your, you know, not Adrenaline. letting, and, and not letting your opponent get a rise out of you. Like, you know, not, not rising to insults, not rising to, anger but remaining calm and just focused and you know just cut your way through these people and and live rather than be emotional and angry and lose focus and yeah. make a mistake 
I, I find that very, very interesting considering how, you know, women are always so emotional rational and women can't do <laughs> anything like that you know how could how can a woman be calm in battle but here's here's this ancient chinese woman who is teaching the men to calm down Very and and to you know to fight calm instead of chaotic i found that really interesting so is she's she's super cool all of these are super cool like yeah. it keeps come i keep coming back to where you where you had said and it also said in a lot of what I read, it's really just, it's so hard to mm. differentiate between what's fact and what's legend. Right. And I, mean, I, I wish there was a way mm. to tell this, but back to the whole reason that we decided to do this and we mm. started talking about this is I never heard of anything like this. I, I'm, no. you know, up mm -hmm. until we started doing this, I didn't even realize mm. there were that many women that had been in battle. Right. I thought it was more of a modern thing mm -hmm. that happens so this is um I know. with the exceptions of certain ones you know there yeah. were certain yeah. ones that we have all heard of sure uh, that we've already covered and sure. more that we'll cover but yeah and this is just the ancient world yeah so once we move into you know the early middle ages and the late middle ages and there's no telling the middle middle across. ages you know yeah. um there's yeah there are i'm sure going to be so many other cultures that we'll be diving into and um other other really badass women that are i know a lot are, of them yeah yeah so it's nice to see that they've always been around always been yes exactly yeah. always been around all right so next next in uh next from china is mother lu and mother lu in in 14 ce she led a rebel a rebellion against the ruler of the Jin dynasty i think is how you say that and his name was wang mang I'm not making that up. His, he was okay. the emperor Wang Mei. She instigated this rebellion after her son was executed by the government for a very minor offense. She was the first female rebel leader in Chinese history. Her exact year of birth is unknown, but she was born during the Han Dynasty. Now in 9 CE, the chief minister Wang Mei usurped the imperial the imperial throne and proclaimed himself emperor of the Xin dynasty when a local county magistrate executed her son she started plotting a rebellion mother lu used her wealth to recruit poor peasants and to purchase weapons and supplies she raised an army of several thousand people and after assuming the title of general she led her forces to storm the capital of Hai, haiku county she captured the magistrate who executed her son and beheaded him. She, she got her, she avenged her son's death. Uh, this success inspired numerous people all over the country to rebel against the Xin dynasty and her, her own personal forces grew to tens of thousands of soldiers. In 18 CE, Mother Lu died and her forces then joined with Fan Chong. The joint army became known as the Red Eyebrows which was uh, one of two rebel forces that eventually overthrew the false emperor and reinstated the Han dynasty. So Dina, what do you think of Mother Lu? She's a um, savior and a villain and a, it was interesting. I was reading and they said that um, some people think of her as the villain. Mm -hmm. Some people think of her as the savior and she's portrayed in both ways. Um, but that tends to happen <laughs> mm -hmm. as you go. It's, mm -hmm. you know, the 
histories written by the victors, right? Absolutely. So that, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, so she's interesting. I definitely get the the passion behind something happening to your child and, and the drive that that can mm-hmm. have to drive you. Mm-hmm. So that, like, I would like to think that I would protect my children at all costs and do anything right. for them. And um, I can't even imagine the pain that she felt to have her son executed like that and what she did. And it's just, it's just mm-hmm. super, super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find the whole red eyebrow thing weird and kind of crazy. So I had to do some look up on that. <laughs> um, Cause I was like, red eyebrows. Why, why were they called the red eyebrows? That was my big thing. I was mm-hmm. like, why were they called the red eyebrows? Cause first I thought, was it a, was it a, uh, gen- not, not a gender thing, but a, genetic thing like uh-huh. you know, did they truly have red eyebrows did, right did, you know what what could yeah. it be so i did some research and it's from the practice of the rebels painting their eyebrows red okay in a symbol of their defiance okay so it was mainly poor peasants that were suffering under the corrupt and you know oppressive government mm-hmm. And they were influenced by the Yellow Turban Rebellion, which had occurred a few years earlier and had similar goals of overthrowing the dynasty and creating a more just society. So they were also known for their guerrilla tactics and were able to inflict several major defeats on the Han army before eventually being defeated themselves. But to identify themselves and show their defiance, they They painted their eyebrows eyebrows red, which red, defiance, red, power, red, passion. Sure. By the way, red's my favorite color is most (laughs) that know me know. And I think it's Mm -hmm. because it's just such a powerful, it's a powerful color. So that they fact that they chose red to represent doesn't surprise me at all yeah doesn't surprise me at all all right yeah i i um i uh definitely sympathized with mother lou uh and and you know your your child being basically murdered for nothing is uh, i mean it's it's ridiculous and and you 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 know you look at at modern society look at our society today and this how it's how it happens all the time like all the school shootings that that mm-hmm. in in the united states in the united states children are, are being killed daily yep daily for no reasons it's it's heartbreaking and 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 then you know you look at at these parents of these children and you know what are they doing you know they're organizing they're 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 lobbying for um for law ch- for for changes in in laws and it's it's inspiring and it's terrifying yep you know and and i don't have children so i i don't know that fear i don't know the fear of you know packing your kids lunch and hoping they come home that day i don't i don't know what that feels like but i i can empathize and i you know it's i can assume it's it's terrifying it's horrifying and when it happens it's devastating it's devastating. I, I I can't imagine what it is like to lose a child. Um, and how many of them have to hold that vengeance and that yes. that anger back? Right. Absolutely. She was able to express she hers did. fully, but she did. I was watching, um, you know, me and my crime shows. Yeah, they did an update on 2020, and I'm his name is going to escape me, though I can picture his beautiful little blue eyes. Um, mm-hmm. It was the the kid that um, 
oh gosh, was it Minnesota? I don't know. It was just on 2020 this week. They finally updated the case where he and his friends in the 80s had gone down to get rent a movie and on the way back he was abducted by a stranger and the other two boys one was his younger brother were told to run and it's gonna it's gonna drive me crazy that i can't remember the name of the poor child um i sat cried on my couch Mm. all day yesterday watching this um but at one point when they were in the 80s and they were trying to find him and they were going they started trying to you know looking at the father and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And the father made the point to his wife, they need to hear from you. They need to hear from the mother and the Mm -hmm. pain, her voice and just Mm -hmm. awful. I remember I was telling Jay, I said, uh, the worst thing is not knowing. I can't imagine all these years of her not knowing, but she went on to do exactly what she said. She's part of the reason for the, um, reporting of sex offenders Okay. when they yeah. transfer states. She's part of how that, how that came about yep. and everything. And it's all from her son. And it was just devastating for them because I think even though they probably knew, yeah, right. now they know for sure because he was found. And, that, oh. and that's what, so I have seen this case yeah. many, many times okay. over the years. And the last time I had seen anything on it, we still didn't know who had taken him and he had still never been found. My goodness. And the last time I saw something on her was her in association with another child that had been found. Wow. Um, but yesterday when I was watching the 2020, they, they his, his case has been, and the, the yeah. killer um, confessed and showed where he was and they were able to find his body oh, and put him gosh. to rest. But the fact that she was able to not, mm. like even now, want to go and. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would want to kill him. Yeah. I would want to kill him. I understand that. I, I, I tell, I talk to my partner about like, you know, we'll watch some, some crime shows on TV and stuff. And, and God, especially when it involves a child, yep. I am always like they, the court should give the family five minutes alone with that guy in a room and let the family go to town on him. It's just, it's what they deserve. But our court system doesn't allow for for that, and and is vengeance really is vengeance yeah. really the case? Because I mean, yeah. even in this, maybe maybe, and we don't have enough information to fully know the entire story. Sure. But sure, um, how many lives were lost in her quest oh, for vengeance? Absolutely. So you know, how many other people's and, children right. were killed? Right. So it's a, it's a fine line. It is. It's yep. a fine line, but um, and I, and maybe that's why she was sometimes portrayed as the villain. Could be. Yeah, that makes sense. Because to some people, she yeah. may be the villain. Right. The, the people that were prospering under, yeah. you know, under the, uh, the, the just interesting the dynamic. It is, but it shows how, you know, it shows how one person can, one person can change the course of history. Yep. And, uh, yeah, for good or for ill. You know, one person can can make one decision and it completely changes everything for everybody. Yeah. So. And by the way, uh, movie people, some of these would make some really great movies. Yes, Hollywood. Let's Wouldn't have mind an original seeing thought. some of these. All right. Yes. All right. Who are we on to next? So now we're uh, we're going to talk about the Trung sisters, and they are um, actually Vietnamese national heroines. They rebelled against the Chinese Han Dynasty in 40 CE. So the the same Hans that Mother Liu and her rebellion helped to reinstate the Trungs fought against. Right. Now, Trung Trak and Trung Ni were daughters of the general who ran the district where they lived in present-day northern Vietnam. 
these women were well educated and studied martial arts with their father, which this is not a normal thing at all. Uh, when the Han Dynasty Chinese, the Han Dynasty Chinese, when they invaded and in, they invaded Northern Vietnam in 111 BCE, they installed local rulers to act in China's interests, much like what Rome did with all their governors. Um, eventually, uh, the Trung's father became one of those rulers, and he did not always do what China wanted them wanted him to do. And he was able to push back on some of the edicts on occasion. Their society, it's, their society was actually very progressive when it came to women's rights. They could obtain education, they could own property, and they could inherit social position. Nice. So things changed for the sisters when Trung Trak's husband began organizing a rebellion against new Chinese policies. The Han increased taxes on salt and began demanding bribes from the local officials. Trung Trak's husband was captured and executed without trial. Mm. So another another senseless murder yeah. by the government. After these events, Trung Trak and her sister Trung Ni began organizing the local people, both aristocrats and workers, to fight against Chinese rule. It is believed that Trung Trak wrote patriotic poems that called for vengeance for her dead husband. The sisters were able to convince enough chieftains to contrib contribute to the army they were raising that it eventually numbered close to 80,000 people. This battalion was also led by 36 female generals, one of whom was believed to be the sister's elderly mother. That is like, just so cool. Keeping it in the family. <laughs> like we're all going or we're not, no one's yeah. going, you know? So these soldiers were armed with swords, bows, arrows, axes, and spears. The true sisters led their army to storm 65 Chinese run citadels and the governor's home which successfully forced the Chinese leader out of the region. Trun Trak was declared queen of this newly independent region, and she ran this, she ran it for two years with her sister. In 41 CE, the Han emperor decided to recapture Vietnam, and he sent an army in to overthrow the, the, the queens. The Trun sisters were unprepared for the attack, and they were unable to fend off the Chinese forces. They were defeated in, in uh, Hanoi, mm -hmm. Hanoi in 43 CE. Now what happened to the sisters next is debated. The historical record indicates that they were captured and then executed by the Han army. These sisters are widely revered in Vietnam. Their popularity saw uh, an increase during the region's period of French colonialism. And then again, during the Vietnam war. Uh, so, so the historical record indicating that they were executed, captured and executed. That's probably what happened to them, but probably local legend will say that one of the sisters escaped, both of the sisters escaped. They, you know, were able to, to, you know, they were probably able to live on their own in the jungle and, and rally people. And, you know, so it probably, they, 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 I'm sure being national heroines, there are probably many, 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 many legends associated yeah. with the true sisters but the the actual record indicates that they were captured and executed so i'm, I'm probably going to go with that being what what happens yeah the only thing i could find was that they died in battle which leaves it right. 
open to interpretation sure. since we know they were actually actually in the battle yeah, yeah. so to die in yeah. battle to die a hero's death it kind of almost takes us all the way back to greek and roman yeah, and everything absolutely. else so yeah maybe by keeping it that generalized mm -hmm. it's almost that same thing right they died in battle they died fighting for what they believe right. they died in that way right they died with honor even though that mm -hmm. could technically be being executed and right that could technically still be sure. in battle absolutely but that was the only thing that i could find is that they died in battle that yep yeah, that's yeah so i i think i i found it very interesting that um you know their their father treated them them very well raised them you know with great education and um martial arts training uh, which the martial arts training is what i i think differentiated what the normal woman would get in education i don't believe that women were uh were taught combat arts right generally speaking so i think that was an indulgence that their father gave them um which worked in their favor absolutely helped them when when it came to um Trum tracks husband being murdered and then they're you know forming a rebellion and leading a rebellion they already knew how to fight so it wasn't you know it wasn't like they so the trend almost is throughout all of ancient mm -hmm. the ancient wars that we've looked at and the women in the ancient wars and definitely correct me if i'm wrong but just thinking back and i know it's been a while since we've done the other ones and we've looked is that the trend is that yes these women were able to go in and yes they were able to make a stand mm -hmm. and and get to those but all of them had to be connected with someone uh -huh. that had an element of power oh yes these weren't these weren't a peasant yeah in the corner yeah, they weren't women that rose up from they nothing. weren't these mm -hmm. these were people that were associated with a male that had power yes and it kind of um gave them the money to indulge the the ability to indulge that kind of stuff so that i don't think we can discount mm -hmm. that element though it would be yeah. it would not surprise me to find that in all the villages and locations and provinces and whatever they were called i'm thinking of names off the top mm -hmm. of my head during the ancient time that women didn't fight to protect their home and hearth and yeah I'm sure they and did. children and we Absolutely just don't get did. those stories right though. you're you're right those are not the stories we get we get the stories from the people who are in power yeah and whether it's women that were able to hang on to power and we get their stories or it's men who said well yeah okay this woman was here and she did this yeah you know but but you're right it's the people in power that that's who we get the stories from we don't get the stories from the peasants who who took up arms against the invaders we, we don't get those stories you're right it'd be amazing to have those mm -hmm. stories but i know those are well most wouldn't yeah. have been able to even right. it would have been lore and and you weren't you worthy would, of lore you would get it from um so you get it from probably from oral tradition oral histories yeah. And that requires, you know, knowing who to talk to in various communities, because, you know, these, these people wouldn't know how to write. Nope. 
And so they're not writing their own stories down. So you you would have to look to the oral tradition to get some of those stories. And I believe most mm-hmm. of those would probably be family if the, if it was right. even passed down to family. Right. right. How, to, how did it right. fit into how you wanted the next generation? So, it's just, it's a, such yeah. a, there's so much loss. And it's not just for women as far as that goes. There's just it's so for, much loss. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, throughout absolutely. that it's just sad. See, I think it'll be interesting, you know, once we, we start getting into to the modern age, and we talk about the American Civil War, because in the South, there is a strong, strong oral tradition of recounting who was in the war. Yes. And who fought the war and what they did and who took care of them. And there's a very strong oral tradition of that in the South. So <laughs> that would be a doorbell if you heard it. <laughs> So I think that will boost, knock it off. So I think that'll be quite interesting yeah. when we get into that to, to see if we can find any of the, um, um, any of, of we, if we can find any oral, oral history, you know, translated into, you know, obviously the written record, that's going to be enough out of you, mister. Well, the civil um, war will be interesting too, because I know I have yeah. a book somewhere in this house that is written by a woman that fought in the union army mm-hmm. but did not fight as a woman right oh there are so many oh we're gonna get yes into so we're gonna have these. fun as we yeah as we so go much. on so what what yeah. is our next area as we move from ancient where do we go next so as my computer screen just went black uh all right so so we're gonna pick back up in the middle ages and that begins um around 500 CE or the collapse of the Roman empire. So the, the, the fall of Rome was like 476 CE. Now the middle ages themselves last from the fifth century CE to the 15th century. So that is a lot of time to go through. So we're going to have to obviously break it up. Um, so, so we're going to, we're going to start around 500 CE and that's, you know, um, we'll get, you know, I'll, I'll try to, to find some Japanese, stories some indian stories uh european we're going to get into europe and the vikings and because the early middle ages are were formerly known as the dark ages right for for whatever reason historians don't call anything the dark they they, they're not calling it the dark ages anymore it's the early middle and that's fine but it's it makes it difficult when you're researching to to know what time period you're looking at so so we'll get into you know we're going to get into different cultures we'll get into the norse we'll get into um early english you know when when england was 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 a united i'm welsh country. yeah let's talk about the welsh yeah absolutely <laughs> um well i mean so we'll we'll have all we're gonna have a lot to get through so i'll try to uh well, we'll never be to able to get some... every culture, yeah. so we have to be fair on that to ourselves and yes. to our viewers or to yes. our listeners. Um, but we'll do our best. We'll do our best because, I mean, there's Polynesian culture, absolutely. there's um, Mexican, there's, yep. you know, absolutely. there's so many different, different areas. Absolutely. And yep. um, I'd be curious, are. Polynesian, I would think, would have some pretty interesting stories. But are they women warriors in Polynesian culture? You know, I'm trying to remember back to, because I lived on in Oahu for what 12, 13 years, something mm-hmm. like that, when I was younger. So I had to do Hawaiian right. history and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And 
I'm trying to remember, but I feel I, there's like a name that's I, stuck in the back of my head. I know there were Hawaiian queens. Yes. But were there women warriors? Be interesting. We'll have to check. It would be. And yeah. we're not talking about Disney's Moana. No, no, nothing like <laughs> nothing like that. No. Although if 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 the if there was a woman warrior and her name was Moana, I will eat those words happily. So keep her to that. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's where we're headed with this. Okay. Is uh, the early Middle Ages and we'll see what women we can dig up yep and we'll try to get a little bit better about getting these out and getting these yeah. together and a little and bit better on the more, tech more consistent uh, but miss um, nikki here has to yeah. get to mississippi first and get settled yes um yes 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 and get used to down there and then we'll we'll regroup and we'll we we'll start with the the middle ages so Yay. Yay, we're going to go have some dinner and in, some drinks and enjoy some time together yep. before Nikki has to head out. That is what we're going to do. And I'm very excited. And I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do with that dog that's barking, but he's mine because Dina's <laughs> dog is sitting next to me very quiet. She, Which is unusual. She has the nerve to call her dog a terror. He is she a terror. She does not even know. <laughs> so, All right. Dog has been a perfect angel. My dog has not. And on that note, bye y'all. Bye. Wow. Thank you for joining us on Working Girls today. If you know the working girl we need to be discussing, that society has ignored, that needs to be highlighted, shoot us a message. Our contact information is in the notes. Don't let women fall to the side of history anymore. No more sitting pretty and quiet. Please listen, download, subscribe, and share us with your friends. Check out the episode notes and website for further information on today's topic. See you next time.